It was back in uh, 1971 when my wife's Uncle Zeke uh, passed away. Uncle Zeke was uh, an old bachelor uh, farmer uh, and a bit of a recluse, I suppose you could say that of him. Uh, and when we went into his house after his death, we were all convinced that uh, Uncle Zeke never threw anything away. Uh, there were, the house was just filled with old pictures and shoeboxes filled with old letters. And uh, one of uh, those old letters was this one written in 1871, uh, 100 years before, now 150 years ago. Uh, and it was written to Medora's, my wife's uh, great-great-grandparents, Thomas and uh, Sally Burkhart, uh, in Washington, Indiana. And it was from Thomas's cousin, John. Uh, down in uh, Pulaski County, near Somerset, Kentucky. Uh, uh, and, and some of the imagery in the letter is, is so striking, especially in connection with today's scripture. So let me read a portion of it uh, for you. It's written in good Appalachian dialect, uh, and uh, I don't know whether I'll be able to replicate it or not, but I'll I'll give it a try. But halfway down uh, the page, uh, uh, John reveals his purpose for writing. He says, well, I have to say to all that uh, I have lost my companion. She departed this life October 18. She was perfectly, P-U-R-F-E-C-T-L-Y, perfectly uh, reconciled to die and ready for the hour to come when she would go home to heaven. She was so happy one night, well, Nat, I guess they say uh, down there, uh, that she uh, could see 10,000 angels marching before her and tried to show me them. She said they was the prettiest things she ever seen. She prayed to God to take her home to rest so she would be out of her suffering. So, Sally, if you could have been here to heard her talk, it makes my heart rejoice to think about her pretty talk that she talked to me. She told me to write to all her connection and tell them to prepare to meet her in heaven for when the breath left her, she would be singing with the angels of God and praising God. Friends, I, I can't tell you how many times over the course of the years of my ministry uh, uh, that uh, I have been present when a precious child of God uh, comes to their final breaths in life and their journey ends. Sometimes the only sign of life uh, that could be seen is the pulse beating in the carotid artery, and then it stops. Sometimes in those closing moments, I've uh, noticed fading eyes looking up uh, and seem to brighten as though seeing some wonderful sight hidden from the rest of us. And uh, others have told me of uh, similar experiences of loved ones whose often pain-etched faces uh, have become suddenly peaceful uh, and, and seem to be seeing or experiencing something, um, looking up to, to, to catch sight of something far more glorious than life. 
And if you know of such experiences, uh, then perhaps you can more deeply appreciate uh, what happened on that uh, mountain that night long, long ago, Jesus nearing the final months of his three-year ministry, already the seeds uh, uh, being sown that will lead to his death. His opponents are growing in number. Some are plotting his assassination. And as he did, whenever he faced a critical moment or a decision in his life, Jesus that night wanders up into the mountains, the hills to pray. And Peter and James and John, his inner circle, come with him, though I am not sure that they recognize the full significance of the times. They wait while Jesus pours his heart out to his father. And I believe he, he gained a, a renewed vision of the task that his father had for him. You remember Moses, toward the end of his life, climbs up Mount Nebo where he catches a vision of the promised land uh, where he had been leading his people. Dr. Martin Luther King, whose birthday we celebrate tomorrow, uh, in his great speech to the Memphis uh, sanitation workers just before his assassination. He said, he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Seems mountaintops are places where visions are had. When we reflect on that uh, letter I read just a moment ago from Uncle John in, in Kentucky, uh, as you think about the experiences that you've shared with loved ones uh, coming to the end of their journey, I wonder if you're uh, perhaps struck by the similarity expressed in today's gospel lesson. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. Uh, this familiar story from the Gospels here in Mark chapter 9 also appears in Matthew 17 and Luke chapter 9. It's commonly referred to as the transfiguration of Christ. It is the last of the epiphany stories in which God is revealed um, in and through his son, Jesus Christ. It's a story of great theological importance, ranking right up there with the visit of the wise men and the baptism of Jesus. And, and, and so the transfiguration helps us to better understand the role of Jesus as savior of the world. Very strange passage. What are we supposed to make of it? How does it fit into our daily life or anything else for that matter? I would suggest that you not try to rationalize or explain or demythologize here. The how this, this happened I think is relatively unimportant compared to the reason that the story was included in the gospel. I always uh, ask that question of the stories that were included in the gospel and throughout the Bible, why did the writer include this, this story? What does he want me to know? 
of all the events in Jesus' life and that of his disciples, why was this one included? What is the gospel writer trying to convey? What spiritual truth is he trying to communicate? That's what's important here. The rest we don't know. People have speculated, uh, come up with answers over the years, uh, but just set all of that aside and let's look for the truth here in our story today, the spiritual truth that Mark is trying to get across to us. Sometimes all the uh, homespun theology that uh, gets piled onto accounts like these keeps us from seeing the human dimension of the story. I find myself very powerfully drawn to those words. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. I don't know about you, but the very first prayer that um, I learned was, God bless mommy and daddy and my sisters and my dog Lucky. Uh, and on down the list, grandma and grandpa and everybody else. Uh, that I could think of to include. And then came that classic childhood prayer, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. What is that? Uh, now that I'm an adult, it uh, strikes me as a rather awful prayer to inflict upon a child just as he's going to bed, you know. I'm not going to sleep. Not after that prayer. Um, what are the prayers that you learned to pray when you were a kid growing up? Uh, our Christian culture uh, seems to uh, teach a progression of prayer, beginning with uh, those little bedtime and mealtime jingles before moving on to more eloquent prayers like the Lord's Prayer that we find in the Scriptures. But beyond that point... It seems like we have trouble uh, with prayer. Uh, some folks, I think, somewhat inappropriately uh, latch on to prayer as a tool for uh, manipulating the world and getting our own way. And others uh, uh, simply discard prayer. We don't know the words to say. Uh, the church... Uh, or sometimes at church you hear someone say, well, let's have a quick prayer or uh, let's have a word of prayer as though uh, we need to get past the embarrassing part and on to whatever else is on the agenda. We're not able to find the time to pray. And we wonder what, if anything, uh, the benefit of prayer might be. But in the scripture today, we're challenged. We're challenged to a deeper understanding, a a deeper dimension of prayer than anything else that we may have ever considered before. While he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. Could it be that the ultimate purpose of prayer is to help us to see things that human beings cannot normally see? Could it be that prayer is designed as a kind of spiritual telescope through which we can see over into heaven. 
You see, whether at death or in the midst of life, as with Jesus, the Bible uh, shows us that prayer can give us a glimpse into eternity, where we can see our present moment in light of God's eternity. Now, you know the rest of the story in Mark chapter 9. The disciples see this strange appearance of Jesus up there on the, on the mountaintop. In fact, they become part of the experience themselves as uh, they see his clothes become dazzling white. Two men shrouded in heaven's glory, the scripture says, speaking to Jesus. Why, it's Moses. It's Elijah. And they're speaking to Jesus about what will happen in the days to come. Peter and James and John, they don't have a clue as to how to respond uh, to this incredible transfiguration, and so they wait until it's all over. And then Peter, who never lacks for a good idea, uh, pipes up, Wow! What a great experience. Let's build, three shri- let's build a shrine here. No, let's, let's build three. One for Jesus and one for Moses and one for Elijah. This is what I call the wow syndrome. Uh, isn't it amazing how powerful spiritual moments in life are marked by shrines and cathedrals? Something great happens, we're going to build a cathedral here, build a shrine here in memory of this. Suddenly a cloud touches down on the mountain surrounding the disciples and Jesus and a voice from the cloud says, quiet now, this is my son whom I dearly love. Listen to him. I added the the quiet now part, but I think it's implied in the text. Um, You see, to live uh, as a Christian requires us to look into the heart of God and to listen to the word of God. We're invited to see things and to hear things that no one else can. We're given a chance to see ourselves and to see others and to see our world from heaven's perspective. And we're given the opportunity to hear God's take on things. And then to live appropriately in response. And that includes the the very personal difficulties and challenges you may be facing right now. But I think there is an inward and an outward journey applied, implied here. Or, or maybe uh, there are two parts of the same journey. Uh, asking God for uh, help for our uh, personal struggles and growth, but that growth should also involve how much we can see others as God sees them and respond in ways that Jesus would an inward and an outward journey. And that can happen in our meditation and prayer. Pray to be given heaven's perspective. Ask to see your situation as God sees it. Listen to what Jesus teaches you about facing the times and challenges that come your way and uh, into the world in which you live. Respond in faith by doing what Jesus says to do. But don't only pray for yourself. Look and listen as well for those things uh, that are larger than your own personal life.
It's so important uh, what people see when they look at us. Are they attracted or are they put off? It's been a couple of years now that uh, when, when we were working together on a strategic plan for Epworth, some of you were a part of that process. And we consulted with uh, a, a company called Mission Insight, a religious survey organization that studies uh, demographics uh, and demographic trends related to the population in the immediate surrounding area of our church. We actually gave them a three-mile radius uh, to work with. And among other data, they gave us the top 10 reasons that the unchurched population in our area uh, has for not attending religious, uh, a religious congregation or community. And among those were they don't believe in God, heading the list. They don't trust religious leaders. They're put off by strict, inflexible beliefs. No grace, in other words. The perception that religion is too focused on money. The perception, or, 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 the, or the other one that's certainly understandable is they moved from the community. Another one, the church wasn't supportive during a crisis. Number seven was religious people are too judgmental. Again, no grace. They tried church and they didn't feel welcome or useful. Friends, that calls for more radical hospitality. They see conflicts in the religious community, too much infighting. And number 10, they just general disillusionment with religion. And how sad this is. How sad it is where these impressions of us come from. Is, is that what we are reflecting in the community? We've got some work to do. What can Christians do to change these perceptions and make a difference? And I suggest that we should begin with, with prayer, in humility, asking God to search our hearts. I'm curious about the uh, rest of our story today. Jesus told his disciples that they needed to get back down in the valley, needed to come down from the mountain. There's work to do. And I wondered if pe people could see in Peter and James and John uh, that they had been up on that mountain with Jesus. I wonder if they could see that in their faces or in their demeanor. Could they tell? Was there something different about them that attracted or repelled others? I love the story in Acts uh, chapter 4 where uh, Peter and John are arrested for preaching and healing uh, and dragged before the Sanhedrin, and they were put on trial. They listened to Peter's response, and the scripture says, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They marveled that they had been with Jesus. I pray that can be said of us in a way that makes us attractive for Jesus' sake. Jesus uh, faced the question of how his life could bring, bring redemption to others. His first step was to go up uh, to the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, 
the appearance of his face changed. There's our challenge today. To renew our adventure in prayer. And let it be a prayer that looks deep into the heart of God and his desired kingdom. And let it be a prayer that shapes who we are as God's people and God's servants. Will you pray with me? Lord, we've uh, entered into this discipleship journey with Jesus. Help us to take every advantage of this opportunity to become more like him. Open our hearts and minds to see what your son, our Lord Jesus, was all about so that we can become more like him and attract others who want to go on this journey with us as well. We pray this in his name. Amen.